Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Schenk, a registered nurse in Missoula, Montana, and hosting today's podcast. Today, our guest is Fiona Hanley, Program Coordinator and Nursing Faculty at Dawson College in Montreal, Quebec. She is also a one of the early founders of what has become the Nurses Collaborative on Climate Change and Health that Annie sponsors, and we're thrilled to talk with Fiona today. Welcome, Fiona. Thank you very much, Beth. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us about yourself. How did you get started in nursing? What, 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 is, what do you do? Um... Well, uh, how I got started in nursing was in um, when I was in living in England um, many years ago, and um, was actually um, studying music at that time. Um, I had uh, done my studies in in music and um, decided that I would like to do something that was going to be, I thought, more um, meaningful. Uh, working with people directly and so I uh, thought that nursing would be a very good option for me and I came from a family which uh, had um, uh, nurses and and physicians and uh, so I'd always been surrounded by healthcare and thought that would be a good option for me. So in fact the first just as a little side story um, I went to study at uh, in uh, one of the hospitals because it was hospitals in the 80s still in England and uh, they had a hospital orchestra so that seemed to me a very good way to combine my interests in uh, health and music. <laughs> Interesting and and then you you moved to Canada at some point and became a faculty member. Uh, that's right. So I moved back. Actually, I moved back to Canada because I had been in Canada and in England uh, back and forth quite a few times through my <clears throat> studies. My family were in Canada, so I moved. Decided to uh, move back to Canada. Um, then in uh, then I uh, worked as a nurse in Alberta in a small uh, community in northern Alberta. Then I moved um, with my then, um, then I also worked in Northern Ontario um, on First Nations uh, fly-in reserves there um, for a a little while um, and then um, met my future husband and we moved to Toronto. So I worked in in nursing. Uh, I started working much more um, like I had in Northern Ontario in the First Nations reserve. My specialty there really was community health. And so I continued to work in community health, but in a big urban center that was Toronto Um, and then uh, subsequently we moved to uh, Montreal where I also worked in uh, community health before um, starting to uh, to teach uh, at uh, Dawson College and um, a little bit at McGill University as well too at that time. Interesting and and how did that contribute to what became an interest of yours in environmental health? Tell us about that. Well, I, I think um, one of the the way that, uh, in a way, it's to do with um, social justice, if you if you like, really, because um, that was really also how I met my husband, in a way, too, because I had um, been quite involved um, at the end of the uh, 80s and uh, early 90s with uh, some of the movements in Central America. Um, involved, I was involved in um, an organization called Tools for Peace, which at the time was um, very active in, in helping um, people in remote communities in uh, Nicaragua. 
Um, and what I was uh, one of a, a group of many people collecting medical supplies to send down to uh, Central America. And um, so I had visited Nicaragua and uh, El Salvador at that time. Um, and um, so I, I think I'd had a big passion for um, social justice and for feeling that I wanted to do something to help people living in um, situations of injustice and repression. And so I think that my that was really when I first began to really think about and hear about issues to do with environmental health. Well, the environment, not so much environmental health, but the environment. Um, I think of uh, the first time one of the people in my group had ever talked about issues, for example, with styrofoam cups, which had never occurred to me before. Um, and I think my interest developed gradually over that. I became increasingly aware. So when I I, when I went to university first to do my bachelor's degree, because in England it wasn't a bachelor's degree I had, it was a, a hospital-based uh, education, um, I uh, began to think of ways that I could um, do projects uh, in relation to environmental health um, as in, in, in relation to my coursework. That's really how it stemmed, I think, from that. And, and so then you carried, I'm, I'm just, so bring us up to today when you are um, beginning to work with environmental um, health concepts in your curriculum work, I, I believe, but it, maybe I should ask, mm -hmm. how are you linking that to your current <laughs> work? <laughs> um, well, I think I'm facing many of the same uh, challenges, let's say, as many other people, um, for sure. Um, the, the same challenges that everybody faces with a very crowded curriculum with uh, sometimes uh, set, uh, set curriculums where it's been difficult for people to uh, find ways in. And so uh, I think like many of my colleagues working in the same area, we've found ways to, um, what I'd say is infiltrate the curriculum um, with uh, environmental health uh, concepts. So for example, um, for quite a while I was teaching pediatrics and maternal child health um, because those were the uh, my areas of specialty and community health really. And so I um, had within our course, I, I was able to uh, develop, for example, a class in uh, environmental um, vulnerabilities of children. Um, and so that uh, luckily is still being carried on, even if I'm not teaching that. There was also um, a teaching project that students would do um, when they were doing their maternal child um, uh, courses. Um, in relation to uh, teaching each other, and some, they would uh, sometimes be taking um, projects in relation to environmental health, or when they were in a, a placement, for example, in a school, some of my students would do would teach children in the school about issues in relation to the environment. Um, one example even that one group of students did was uh, an issue with school buses uh, outside a primary school because they had noticed that the school buses had the engines running for hours at a time, um, well, for half an hour, three quarters of an hour at a time outside the school. And so they decided to um, put together some information for the bus drivers and the school. And so they uh, they actually managed to change the policy of, of having school buses not running their engines outside the school. 
for that amount of time. So sometimes they were, even with, uh, even as uh, second year students, they were able to accomplish some important things too. So, um, so I think I've continued to try to do that more and more to uh, to uh, bring in uh, in in pre existing courses to uh, try to make students aware of of how. Uh, diseases, for example, might link to environmental uh, exposures um, to, uh, to uh, in, in teaching them, for example, about an issue like a concept map. One can bring in how do you how do you do I do a class on concept mapping for the students, but I make it about um, environmental health. So as the example, how the how the environment links to health is at the same time learning about concept mapping. So I, I think those are some of the ways that we um, that we do that. Um, and I have the students uh, uh, do also teaching projects in their first year. And so um, some of my students uh, in first year that I had this past year, for example, if I can think of a couple of examples, um, one of my students is going to be is starting to write an article that she wants to publish about her experience of doing a teaching project um, on um, use of uh, hair products in uh, in uh, amongst uh, women of the uh, black, what you call the African-American community, their Afro-Canadian community, if you like. Um, and uh, that was a real revelation to her in teaching, taking a subject like that um, to do with um, the, the use of hair products and, and the implications for health for that. So sometimes it's in those kind of ways that um, that my my students become aware of those kind of issues and take they could take on a life of their own in the students' lives in, in that case as well. Well, it sounds like they are they're they have responded well. They're interested in these topics and they found find relevance in their life. Is that what you found? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Some, sometimes they'll say um, because also many of my students come from different um, cultural groups too. And so they'll often have connections in uh, organizations within their own communities. So um, many of them have gone on to do teaching within in their cultural communities or in their, their churches, for example, too. Um, one of the students told me her, her life was completely changed. She was a student who had children of her own. She had um, suddenly discovered uh, the issues, uh, some of the issues in relation to plastics and health. And so she, she completely changed her way of doing things at home and then was teaching people in her community as well, too. So she said it was really um, mind changing for her um, and changed uh, many of her ways of, of doing um, ordinary things in her home uh, and was teaching her members of her community. So that was uh, very encouraging to see that kind of uh, thing. That is really terrific, and, and it's, it speaks to the ripple effect that when we start talking about these things, it, it, it affects people in different ways. I was going to ask, do you feel like your students have responded particularly to chemicals? Or do you also talk about, I mean, and I'm sure you do, but other elements of environmental health like food and agriculture, energy, climate change, waste, uh, et cetera? I, I'm just wondering about that. Yes, I mean, again, it's when I'm in, in my teaching of them, which um, which is one, one part of what I do, for sure, they, um, when you explain, I think, what I see is that, um, for example, they might they might think about they might think about fast food, for example. So we might be having a discussion about fast food, or they're they're doing a, an essay or a paper or some kind of presentation on fast food, and so we'll have a discussion, and they'll think they'll be thinking about fast food 
um, and um, why that's not good for health because you know the hamburgers have too much fat or something but after you have a discussion with them they'll suddenly and and you'll begin to think well how does this relate to what's happening upstream how how are the where does why is it so cheap um, what are the consequences of that cheapness? Why is it cheap? Is it how is it the animals are treated? What happens with the um, the animal waste? How does that link to E. coli um, and some of the um, outbreaks that we've had um, in uh, E. coli contamination in water or in food? Um, how does it relate to workers' rights um, who are working sometimes in those kind of industries? Uh, what does it say about um, food production? Um, what are what are, what is the link with uh, antibiotic resistance, for example, when um, when uh, there is a, a high use of uh, antibiotics uh, for growth, uh, etc. So many of those things, I think, yes. When the when you, I think when we start to have those kind of discussions with students, it, it really begins to open their eyes on. It's not just a problem, an immediate problem, which they might think about. Um, but that uh, the connection between all of these things together, especially when then they're seeing in the hospital, um, when they do their, their clinical placements, they're seeing um, many, many patients with MRSA, VRE, uh, C. difficile, etc., et you know, all of these uh, resistant diseases. So I think they make the connection in that way too. That's so important. And it's not so easy to tie all that together. It's so complex and, and oftentimes... Uh, people, you know, may tend on, uh, sorry, may focus on what is right in front of them. So good work mm -hmm. to continue to successfully link these complex relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, uh, I think it's uh, sometimes just in regular conversations or, you know, teaching a class about something else and one, or having a small group of students in a clinical group as well, too. Um, there are many different uh, I, I think one just has to be opportunistic. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, take the opportunity when you see it arises. <laughs> well, I wanted to back up just a bit to hear yeah. um, a little bit more about the Healthcare Without Harm grant that you applied for and won a few years ago that led to the, um, the climate, Nurses Climate Council. Could you tell us about that? Um, sure. Um, I, although we actually didn't win, um, but we um, we had seen myself and two colleagues uh, in uh, New Brunswick, um, Marg uh, Milburn and Bonnie uh, Hamilton, had um, seen the um, the contest for nurses uh, through healthcare without harm, and uh, we. Uh, we are. Um, we have been part of a group that's doing all kinds of um, interesting work on uh, environmental health, um, and so we had a discussion, and we decided we would make a proposition for forming a um, a global nurses group because we really thought that a uh, global problem like climate change uh, needed to be tackled uh, on a global level uh, by nurses, uh, and so that was our our. Um, our vision, our overriding vision, if you like. And so we submitted our project to Healthcare Without Harm. Um, and uh, we didn't win, of course, but uh, on but Healthcare Without Harm told us that, um, um, that the idea of the contest was really to have local projects. And so there were some really excellent, amazing projects that uh, that uh, did win, um, but they wanted to help support us in in ways that they could, and so healthcare without harm did um, support a series of um, 
uh, webinars and discussions and getting people together to, uh, to across the world from from uh, the US, from Canada, from Australia, uh, and from the UK to see uh, where we could go with this uh, with this group. And um, after a, a series of uh, very um, interesting calls and discussions with uh, colleagues across the world, it really made sense for um, Barbara Sattler was, of course, one of the um, people very much behind uh, and in support of this. And uh, to have uh, the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments uh, really um, help to take over some of this with some funding and organize all of that because that's really, they're very expert at that kind of thing too. And so that's that's how it kind of led into some of that as well. <laughs> so it's great that it's still uh, carrying on and doing so much good work. I want to go back to a question that I think you've already answered in, in many ways, but I like to get different people's uh, mm -hmm. perspectives on it. And mm -hmm. it's the question of how is environment a nursing issue? Why is it a nursing issue? Why do nurses need to know about it, care about it, help to um, keep a clean and healthy environment professionally? Mm -hmm. How would you describe that? Um, it was... It's a very big question, and it ha you can know you can have a very big answer, but it's also something very obvious in, in a way as well too. That um, nurses' main concern is with uh, with health, and uh, we we know that we can no longer think about health without without thinking about the um, the environment that we live in, um, whether um, and 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 that the environment we have now understood is no longer out there, but we are part of the environment as much as the environment is part of us. And, uh, you know, sometimes we use the illustration of uh, the fact that uh, even uh, newborn babies um, now are, are born with uh, evidence of the exposures that their mothers have had through their, through their pregnancies. Um, and so there's no filter really between the environment and ourselves. And so uh, we, we, we cannot uh, ignore uh, the, the importance of having a healthy environment, both from a physical and a mental uh, well-being, but also of the health problems that come from having a, a contaminated uh, environment. And, and certainly these days when the problems become so so huge and sometimes can be overwhelming. I think it's very important to that nurses can um, make things understandable and encourage the idea that our clients, our patients, our communities, the people we work with, um, can have a voice in uh, in working to protect our environments on a local level and on a global level, but also to know about. Um, the importance of uh, avoiding certain exposures, which uh, are are clearly linked to health issues, um, or other ones that have there's perhaps less evidence, but the that the is worth um, avoiding the risk that comes with certain exposures, and at the same time, um, advocating for green spaces as well, and, and and places where children can go and play and be outside uh, safely too. Um, and so I think nurses, we do know that nurses, people often listen, you know, people do listen to nurses, they pay attention. Uh, and so uh, so nurses sometimes have a reluctance to speak up. Um, but uh, but I think that there's a lot of power in the voice of a nurse 
and um, and people pay attention when we when we say things. And so um, so I think that there is a very important role in that way too. And people also. Uh, we nurses have so many different forms of practice, whether it's in directly working with communities, uh, directly going into patients' homes, being able to look and see what's going on in people's houses um, and their homes and their places uh, where they live and 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 work, um, and uh, as well as uh, doing research and finding out what what needs to be found out more about exposures or about healthy spaces, uh, etc. Too or teaching. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. So in every realm of practice, there are opportunities, I think, there. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Um, if you were to think about your uh, biggest concerns right now in terms of environment and health, what 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 is one or two? Maybe if there's one that stands out, whether it's chemicals or climate change or, you know, whatever. What, what are you thinking these days? Um, well, I think it's... I don't know whether it's, I suppose at the, at these days, we're certainly thinking about climate change because uh, it's a uh, high summer here in, uh, in Montreal. And um, I've also just come back from uh, Europe in the UK and uh, France where they are um, experiencing uh, unprecedented heat uh, waves and dryness. And, um, and I've also just been at the planetary health um, meeting in Scotland. And um, so no doubt um, climate change is a huge issue um, and makes everything else worse, really. Um, so it makes uh, exposures more acute. Um, it adds to everything else, too. So I think that's at these days, certainly it's very worrying when there's no relief from the heat, for example. Um, and we've seen a lot of uh, um, deaths even in, in this city too, um, in, a, you know, in a very prosperous country, in a prosperous province, in a prosperous city. But still people are, are dying um, from, uh, from heat exposures. Um, so that's certainly a very big concern too. Yeah, you bet. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit more. I know we're we're getting close to our being out of time, but I did want you to, if you could, just tell us a bit about the Planetary Health Conference and this rather new and emerging field of of science and a way of approaching it. I suppose one would call it a philosophy, a new discipline too. And in a way, it's one can say it's the the medical community because it was uh, really founded through some of the medical community and politi- particularly in um, in the context in in connection with the Lancet, uh, the journal the Lancet, um, and there uh, so it's really the Lancet and the Rockefeller Foundation um, who are um, behind this really, um, but it's a way of. Um, of putting a name in in some ways to a lot of the the work that nurses have been doing uh, for a long time in in looking at health in a very holistic way to including uh, global and planetary health to knowing that um, uh, that uh, people live in, in an environment and that uh, they their their health is very much part of uh, how they live and the environment that they live in too. So I think the Planet of Your Health is really looking at, um, they really want to have um, uh, an idea of um, 
so th they start by saying that uh, there are, of course, there are people are living uh, longer than ever before. People are generally healthier than they ever have be before, um, but that due to the uh, deterioration of our environment across the planet, that we're risking all the gains that we've made in in all of those uh, in all of those uh, health um, uh, measures. And uh, so that it's time to uh, be collaborating, to, collaborating together across disciplines to uh, to find out um, what we can do to uh, to solve uh, some of the issues for adaptation and mitigation of all of the changes that are occurring across the planet. So. Um, so that's really where it is. So there, uh, there's a lot of research. So the planetary health meeting was uh, uh, in, in people involved in research um, across the globe, uh, as well as people, uh, for example, an amazing woman from uh, an organization called the Plastic Soup Foundation, which she founded in her kitchen in in the Netherlands, um, looking at uh, some of the problems with uh, with uh, microplastics and and ocean plastics. Um, and uh, so, uh, I, so now they're going to be having uh, yearly meetings to uh, to try and support research and action on um, on um, looking at uh, helping to solve some of the the, the problem of uh, planetary deterioration. Um, so I was presenting. Uh, I met uh, at the the. I was presenting a, a poster, and I had uh, also had the opportunity to meet Janet Richardson, who's doing extraordinary work. Janet Richardson and Norma Huss uh, on. Uh, they've developed a whole uh, curriculum on sustainability in in their universities uh, in uh, Germany and in uh, the UK too. And uh, so that I would say that if there was one thing that was missing from the conference, it was having much more of a focus on on work from nurses, too. And I, I'm hoping that in the next conference, they're going to highlight uh, much more of the work, um, for example, ANHE, um, the, the Plymouth University work, etc., too, because I think that when the question is posed about how we translate science into action, well, I think that that's one of the areas of expertise that uh, nurses are already doing. Um, and uh, they, we really need to take advantage of that more and in, in if we're going to be um, you know, really looking at planetary health uh, action. Yeah, you betcha. That sounds great. And I think it's well highlighted by the siren that just went off as you said that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> Background noises of our environments. <laughs> well, sometimes it's very perfect. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know if there's time, but I would just like to mention one, another thing. Sure. Um, and, um, and it's because I also am associated here in Quebec with a group that is also doing amazing work, and it's called... Uh, Synergy Santé Environnement, and it's uh, it's a little bit um, uh, like some of the work the Healthcare Without Harm is doing, but it's here, it's in the the, uh, the French sector, if you like, and so it was founded uh, about ten years ago um, through a, a physician here in Montreal, and um, I have sat on the board of that organization for probably almost the, the whole life. Um, and uh, they uh, have uh, done tremendous work in uh, helping hospitals to uh, change their practices and to look, because we talked about chemical exposures and hospital purchasing and uh, waste disposal and all of that kind of thing. And so it's uh, been, uh, this organization uh, has been doing a, a great amount of work as well too. And so 
Um, so I just wanted to highlight that as well too, as as some of the work that's uh, that's being done, and, and uh, that's also something that nurses can do, even if you're not directly going there and opening the garbage bags, that you can be associated with organisations sometimes like that as well to help support them. You bet, to both for resource and ideas, but also as a way to share what nurses are doing. I've found when I start to talk to to people around our country and a little bit of Canada. Mm-hmm. That um, very often on the ground, it's nurses who are who are doing this work, leading this work, um, mm-hmm. especially in materials and waste management. I'd say more so than in energy um, maintenance and renewables. But um, nurses have a a really a great um, perspective because they understand the challenges of meeting the clinical needs, but also mm-hmm. can see all these opportunities to do things differently. So. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, I, I also cannot, uh, I can't end the conversation without also talking about um, the, the Canadian, there, we do have a group called Canadian Nurses uh, for Healthy Environments as well too, Can, well, Canadian Nurses for Healthy and, uh, Health and the Environment. Um, and that was, that came from a, a pilot project uh, from the Canadian Nursing Association uh, in 2007 to 2009, where they took on uh, centennial, their centennial year project was about uh, environmental health and nursing action. And so I was part of uh, what what they called the environmental reference group, nurses environmental reference group at that time, developing um, working documents, uh, position statements from the Canadian Nursing Association, uh, web uh, webinars, um, uh, podcasts and uh, so this group has uh, come out of that and is still uh, going strong and we're actually we're in conjunction with the Canadian Nursing Association we're just uh, uh, putting together another survey as well too about uh, eco-literacy for nurses 10 years on from the last work of the Canadian Nursing Association to to uh, to find out again more about what nurses are doing and what what the needs are for nurses to be able to um uh, integrate more, even more, and what uh, what they need to know, um, and what other tools they need to have in order to be able to uh, take action on um, environmental health, um, planetary health, ecosystem health, whatever one wants to call it, uh, across the country. Terrific! That sounds just great. And you've clearly been a leader uh, in Canada for a long time, and um, I'm sure you're you're um, you have left a mark and are influencing <laughs> lots of people and. So thank you for that as a, as a citizen of the planet. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been great to talk to you. Is there anything else you'd like to say today that you, that we didn't touch on? I know we could talk for hours. <laughs> well, we could, of course, because we obviously have a shared, uh, you know, we have a shared passion. And, and I think that's what uh, one sees that many of my, my colleagues working in the field, it really is a passion um, and influences every aspect of their lives, too. Um, and, uh, you know, our professional lives and our personal lives. And, um, and, uh, so, uh, I think, um, I, I, I mean, I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing, um, and that ANHE, uh, is doing there, um, in the, in the U.S., uh, at a very difficult time. I think we're facing a very difficult, uh, moment in many, you know, in many different, on many different levels. And, uh, so uh, I think all of us have to uh, take our courage in hands and um, and continue to do what we what we can to uh, make uh, a world that is going to be livable in the future for our 
for future generations. Yes. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ, E-N-V-I-R-N dot O-R-G. And please leave a review for this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks and talk to you next time.